we're going to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This chapter deals with uh, the spiritual gifts, um, and, uh, but the intent of the chapter is to get the point across to the Corinthian church that no matter what gifts the church had or did not have, or how important they looked at a particular gift, the intent was for the, them to function as a unified body. The Holy Spirit being the unifier because of their relationship with Jesus Christ and also the one who, through God, that dispensed gifts. Now, this chapter is widely uh, discussed, disagreed, and all that, so I'm not going to try to get into all the theological differences that, that churches have or denominations have. But I will say that all Christian faiths don't interpret this or apply this chapter the same way, meaning that there are some who say that the gifts are, every, every gift should be in every church, okay, meaning that it was a part of the body. But then there are some that say, hey, some churches operate in specific gifts, meaning that if a minister say, I'm a minister of prophecy, and they're going to be the strongest gift in that church, but they also may have tongues and interpretation and other things, but they may not necessarily be a strong teaching ministry. And so, so there's a lot of discussion about that out there, and, but the important thing is for, for us as believers to believe that God has given you a gift, something that you can do. And this list in Corinthians uh, is not inclusive, because we're going to see that so Paul lists some gifts in Romans, uh, and then there are other places where he lists, lists gifts. So this is not an all-inclusive gift, but I think, list of gifts, but I think because of the nature of the church that he was writing to, the Corinthian church, you kind of got to go all the way back to chapter 1 when he told them that he wanted them to operate in a spirit of unity. And so now he's getting into some of those things that was dividing the church uh, beyond the factions based on personality. Now they was being divided based upon gifting. And so there was a mindset there that if you possess a particular gift, your gift was more important. And, the, and, the, and it seems to be from study that the gift that caused the most problem was tongues. You know, uh, and, and because of that, I think that is the gift that is causing the most problem in churches today. How to apply or should all churches speak in tongues or should some uh, level of tongues be exhibited? And I can tell you from my experience over the years, some churches don't believe that tongues were even for today. They believe that after the first century, when the prophet, the first set of apostles died off, that there was no need necessary for that gift. Some churches don't believe that prophecy is necessary for today because they got the Bible. But these gifts are still in there, and I do know churches that operate in all these different gifts. And so that's where the debate comes in sometimes, and we're not trying to win that debate one way or the other. What I want us to focus on tonight, as you read and we go through this, think about how God has gifted you in an area of your life and ministry, and then say to yourself, am I using what God has gifted me with to the glory of God? Is the body benefiting from me being a part of the body? And so I think if we can kind of stay in that lane, we won't get bogged down on those things that cause ministers to be in disagreement, and, and I mean that disagreements can vary from one extreme to the other, amen? And some of those things I'll kind of relate based on my experience coming up, 
and how uh, uh, these things have played out in my life before I even came across 1 Corinthians, you know, chapter 12, okay? And so uh, hopefully this makes some sense to you. So he says in 1 Corinthians, talking about chapter 12, spiritually, he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about spiritual abilities, the Spirit gives us. So someone must ask him a question about these gifts because he didn't talk about these gifts to every other letter that he wrote. And we don't went through all the letters in, that Paul wrote. This is the last letter that, that Paul wrote that we're going through right now, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. So we see that that the conversation did not take place with every church. So that means that every church either did not have an issue with gifts or they knew or didn't have all the gifts or it was something that he never had to address. Now, it may have been come after everything was published and now this letter arrived to Ephesus or this letter arrived in Galatia. They say, oh, they're doing those things in Corinth. Maybe these gifts ought to be here too. So I don't know how that would have played out when everybody got these letters, if you understand what I'm saying. So keep in mind, this letter was written to a specific church at that time, but because we're living in a time where the Spirit has revealed God's Word to us through the writing of the Bible, now we have the privilege to read all the letters. So that's what those of you who have been with us this whole study, have, we have gone through all the letters. And so now we can kind of go back and forth and see some of the things that he said in one letter that he did not necessarily say in another letter. Okay, that makes sense? So they asked him a question. And the only thing he says, the spiritual ability that the Spirit gives us. Who gives the gifts? The Spirit gives the gifts. He says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were pagans, before you got saved, before the Spirit of God came in your life, you believed in some type of spiritual activity before you got saved. When you was pagans, when you was heathen, y'all believed in a spiritual realm because say you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So they communicated, they communicated with things that Paul said was worthless idols because they could not do anything for them, but they worshiped them because they idolized whatever that was, a statue, an animal of some sort, or whatever. No different than, than when the children of, of, of God came out of Egypt, because they were used to seeing the Egyptian worship things when they got out in the wilderness, and could not see God, they wanted something that they could see to worship. When we say and know that God is a spirit, and so therefore we don't need to see something in order to worship God because we believe that God is spirit. And those that worship him have to worship in spirit and truth. So he says, now when you was pagan, you guys were used to worshiping these speechless idols. And I'm sure when they're doing that worship, they was doing some type of communicating back and forth with those idols. Now, some say they have been maybe in some type of mystic communication where we would consider that some type of tongue. Or it could be just like uh, sometime when you make groans and utterances that you don't understand what the Bible tells us but the Spirit gives us groans and utterance. I kind of equate that sometimes to grandmama in the kitchen when she didn't, wasn't saying no word, but just something was coming out, and you say, what grandmama saying in that? You see what I'm saying? And in her spirit, she was communicating something to God. Okay, and so, so he said, now you guys are used to operating 
in some spiritual realm, even when you was worshiping idols. So he says this in verse 3. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, what is he trying to tell us there? Because obviously there may have been some false teachers there because there was a lot of false teachers around Corinth. And he was trying to get them to see that, hey, the way that you determine whether someone know God is how they talk about Jesus. If they don't talk about Jesus in the right way, then it's a good possibility they don't know God. Now, somebody may say, well, what if they was lying like they know Jesus? Well, even major, if you was lying and you was a lying spirit, but you was glorifying Jesus while you was lying, you're going to bless somebody because there's some people who believe you, even though you lying, you don't really believe what you're saying. Meaning that you're an idol worshiper, you don't believe in Jesus, but now you want to put him down, and you're going to come in out of your mouth and say, yeah, that Jesus, he's the son of God. Well, somebody's going to believe that. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be beneficial for you to say that because you wouldn't want your idol, the ones who are following you, to believe that. So he's saying the possibility of someone standing up and say they represent God, but they don't mention Jesus, it's a good possibility if they never mention Jesus, they don't really know God. So the question is, do you mention Jesus? Do you know him? Do you tell How do people know who you are based upon how you represent Jesus? And so I'm believing because you're here tonight and you're online or whatever and you're a Christian that you don't have no problem speaking by the Spirit of God because you're going to say that Jesus is Lord. I think if all of you would ask that question, is Jesus Lord? Yes, I believe all of you would say Jesus Lord. Even if you were lying. I'm just going to use you as an object lesson. I know you don't lie. But even if you was lying and got, just got up and said, yeah, you're in here tonight, Jesus Lord. And you may not believe it, but Major heard you say it. Major said, Phil, he done gave glory to God. He acknowledging Jesus as. And so he said if Finley had a demonic spirit in him, there would be no way that he would get up in here and acknowledge Jesus as being Lord. So in up for us, it is not hard when people say, well, I don't know whether they're a believer or not. Well, what do they say and how do they see Jesus? That's how you, when you're talking to people and you want to know where they are as far as Christianity is concerned, you need to find out what do they believe about Jesus. Get a mic, Major, get a mic. So someone says, okay, um, I believe in God, um, but, but I don't believe Jesus is the son of God. I mean, people say that. Yeah. So does, that means they don't know God? They don't, that's that. That's what he's saying here. You, you see, it, this term God is kind of universal. Everybody acknowledge a God. Or, and sometimes they don't even say God, just say a supreme being. Right. You know, all religions acknowledge that there's a supreme being. But all religions don't acknowledge Jesus. Right. 
as son of God. So therefore, when someone say that, hey, I believe in God, okay, that's good. I, I ain't gonna argue. You may do believe in God, but which God do you believe in? Do the God that you believe in have a son named Jesus? That's where you're going to find out what God they believe in because if they truly believed in the God that you serve, they're going to acknowledge Jesus as your son. But if they don't, they're going to have another answer for Jesus. I mean, Jesus is is that discriminator, man. I mean, he's the deal breaker. And, And if you take him out of the equation, all the major religions acknowledge and say they acknowledge in the same God. Islam, Judaism, Christianity. They all trace their roots back to Abraham some kind of way. So if you just talked about Abraham and never bring Jesus into the picture, you can get along with a whole lot of folk. Because in in Islam, Abraham is the way they say Abraham, and they consider him a pretty important guy. In Judaism... Abraham is considered pretty important. Right. And because we have been engrafted in, we say that we'll also seize of Abraham. Right. And so, but the question is, did God have a son named Jesus? Amen. That's a deal breaker for you. Finley, you got some question? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, make sure I'm tracking correctly. Are you saying to decipher from the because from the real versus the fake, or the only way, I won't say the only way, but in this, I'm reading this uh, text here, is that if a person says, you know, Jesus is Lord, that can only come from a person who has the Holy Spirit in Definitely say, he said, now look, he said, let me read it again. So if you, if you, so I want you to know, verse 3, want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. So if a person say, I'm speaking under the inspiration of God and the Holy Spirit, there's no way that I'm going to say something that's going to curse Jesus. And no one can say, Jesus is... Do y'all know how powerful that word is right there? (laughs) Jesus is Lord. Lord. Man, the devil ain't going to say that. That's right. That'll be be counterproductive to what he's trying to do to acknowledge Jesus being Lord. So anyone that truly believes in him, they ain't going to say it either until they get converted. That was some of us didn't say Jesus was Lord. That's right. But we didn't know him as Lord. But now that you know him, he got to be Lord in your life. Amen. You, you got to give him the reins. You got to let him, you know, have some control. He got to be master. That's what Lord means. And then he talked later about being Savior, the Messiah. So therefore, he's both Lord and Savior. He says, now you can't say that except by the Holy Spirit. He said, now look, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them gifts are dispensed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the problem is because so every major denomination do things differently, you're going to be influenced by gifts based upon where you worship at. Meaning that when I was brought up in the Baptist church, we didn't talk about spiritual gifts that often. 
So until I start visiting other churches that had a different take on this passage of the Bible, we never talked about speaking in tongues in the Baptist church. We talked about the Holy Ghost, but we didn't talk about a lot of the spiritual gifts here because, again, some believe that all these gifts are not necessary for today. When the Bible was published, they feel like, hey, and the first century apostles all died off. There were certain things that died with them. So there are some people who don't believe that there's a need for apostles today. Because one of the criteria, some say, was that an apostle had to walk with Jesus and have some relationship with him. And so if you didn't walk with him, some say, well, why do we need that office today? I don't argue that one way or the other because I know people who say that they're apostles, and if they say that that's what God called them to be, I ain't arguing with that. But an apostle ought to be starting something when it comes to ministry. Amen. I mean, his works ought to be in that arena doing what these guys who were called apostles were doing. Amen. And so this issue was a big deal in the Corinthian church. Again, going back to the beginning, this was a very highly educated church, but it was a highly worldly church at the same time. And so a lot of them were coming out of things that went contrary to what they was being taught. He said, now look, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Amen. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Amen. So he's leading up to a point now to try to get them to see that all of us are not going to have the same gifting. But all of our gifts should work interdependent with one another so that the body of Christ will be glorified. That's right. We don't have a particular gift to isolate ourselves and stand alone as if we don't need somebody else. That's right. Now, the mindset is that no one person possess all the gifts. Amen. And I can just tell you from my own life, I don't possess them all. Now, there may be some people that say, I got all of them, and thank you, a one-man show, but that kind of go against this body concept that he's going to talk about. That would be like all of us saying, we just all hands, right. and we don't need eyes. And so, Keeping that in mind, as he go down this, he says, he says, God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Look at this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So I believe, based on that, all of you have some gift that the Holy Spirit has blessed you with. Amen. Whether or not you're operating in that gift is purely up to you. Or even if you consider it a gift. But when you look at some of the things that's on these lists, there's some of these things you don't need to go to seminary to get. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't. I mean, there's some of these things you don't need to be a Bible scholar to have some of these gifts that God has given out to his body or to the church through the Spirit. So now he said a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So now just think in your mind, I don't want you to try to put nobody on the spot. But if you do want to say, 
what do you believe your gift is to the body? That can be rhetorical. Just think about it. Something ought to flash across your mind. I mean, because you're part of the body. He said he gave everybody in the body a, a gift. And if you don't know, you ought to be seeking what that is. Because either the Bible is a lie or you just don't want to acknowledge what he done gave you. Oh, Lord, I know. So he, he says, let me read it again. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So if you have a gift, it is not just for you. Amen. It is designed to be used to be a blessing to someone else. And by us having a, a diversified body with different gifts, it makes the body stronger, not weaker. And so therefore, there can be diversity, but that diversity can create unity. And that unity is stronger than individuals trying to work and do things by themselves. By themselves. Amen. Okay, now look at this. I'm just going to kind of read some of these real quick, and then I'm going to tie this back to, I'm going to give you a text, and you can go there later. I'm not going to try to read all that tonight, because I know we won't get there. He said, now look. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give advice. Okay. Wise advice. So that means that some Bibles say people have a spirit of, of wisdom. And so the Bible tells us that if you lack wisdom, you can ask for it. Amen. So that may be, but the distinction here seemed to be that there's, you could, everybody may have wisdom, but everybody don't know how to give good advice. There are some people that got wisdom, but they don't know how to give nobody advice. <laughs> Amen. So he's saying that some people got a gift. They can, they can share wisdom. They can give people advice to help them make wise decisions. Everybody in the church can't do that. I'm just telling you. You can just look at how folks do certain things and know that they can't give nobody good advice in certain areas. Oh, Lord, help me right there. So, so now look at this. He says, to another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Now, when I got a little deeper into that, we all have some level of knowledge of Amen. Jesus. But the level of special knowledge is that everybody is not gifted to be able to share that knowledge so other people can understand it, so that some people can learn from that. So it almost leans toward that some people are more gifted at teaching certain things because of the knowledge they have versus some people who got the knowledge, but they can't teach it. That's what I was going to ask, Pastor. So can a gift be taught? Here, it don't say that the gift is taught. It is given right but so speaking in tongues maybe don't get ahead of me man but go ahead go ahead I, i'm just i'm just trying to get clarity <laughs> can that be taught can speaking in tongues be no taught no i i i would say no 
it, it is a gift. Now, people can encourage you to right. speak, but you can't teach someone. Now, I can only tell you how I experienced when I, because I came out of the Baptist church, so tongues was almost like taboo to me. It took me a long, long time to embrace speaking in tongues. It was only when I left the Baptist church, started working with the Church of God in Christ, and at that time, they was all the way to the other extreme. It was almost like you had to be in, to speak in tongues to be saved. But they done backed off that now. And so I, while sitting there, you felt out of place. Right. So we, they used to have tearing sessions where you go to church on Friday night and you may not leave the Saturday morning. <laughs> tearing. <laughs> and and you're going to tear it there till you speak. <laughs> Amen. I'm just telling you, I mean, you, 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 you tear it there and they pray, they lay hands on you, they touch your head and they say, you know, let it come from your belly. Let it flow like rivers of living water. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Call them like the house on fire. Huh? Call them like the house on fire, what they like to say. Call them Jesus, Jesus. Call, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Call yeah, call on the house of fire. Call Jesus, Jesus, Jesus until you get it. But is that, a, is that not a form of teaching though? I mean, so, so, you, so, you, say, so you have to do certain things at that time it was necessary I think it was positioning you to be able to receive when you say teaching tongues that's as if I'm, as if I'm saying say la 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 now you repeat that's me teaching you tongues which that ain't how that go but, no. but I'm saying so okay so I, I go Terry at church for 24 hours and they're going to say, okay, Major, this is what you need to do. You, do. you pray like this, you do this, and you hold your mouth a certain way, and then you're going to no, be able to. No, 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 they didn't no, do that. No, no, I no, just no. said hold your mouth a certain way. But I mean, but isn't it a form of teaching? If, you, if you're telling me this no. is how I'm supposed that, but to. But that's not how it was done. Nobody oh, tells okay. you. No. Okay. It's a form of positioning you to be able to receive from God. Like, like, can, can I get in the So it's, it's like we say, you come to Bible study so you can learn how to, how to live right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, You're yeah. positioning yourself to receive from God. Not, we're, not, we're not, per se, teaching you, teaching you exactly what to do, per se. You're just positioning yourself to receive from God. That's what Tarion was all about. It's about getting you clear and... and um, Clearing your head, clearing everything from around you, and positioning yourself so you can be open to receive from God. Okay. That was the base monetarian, how I understood it. But, um, and, Pastor, I had um, something to say. When we were talking about gift of spirit and can it be taught, gifts of the spirit and can it be taught, um, and that's where we run into a lot of problems with nowadays because people are trying to teach people how to operate in a gift that they're not gifted in. Uh, when God gives a gift, you have to recognize that that's a gift that God has given you. Oftentimes, like the gift of word of knowledge. Um, just because you get a word of knowledge don't mean that you're a prophet. Amen. But then somebody will tell you, oh man, you're operating in a prophetic. No, you just, God gave you a word of knowledge. Or you have a special gift of knowledge. And that's when you begin, God show you something and you know something about somebody that they didn't per se necessarily tell you. That don't make you a prophet. Amen. Amen. So as we go on, I think this conversation is going to get broader now. So we're just talking right there. So look at the next word. He said, the same spirit gives great faith to another. So obviously, there's faith and there's great faith. Because 
all of us have to have faith to at least believe. Amen. Believe in faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. And so we have to have that level of faith. But it looks like there are some people whose faith is greater than others. And the spirit empowered. And you can see that in some people's lives who would do things by faith that other people have to wait to see. Amen. There's a lot of Christians who won't move until God showed them almost everything. But there are some people who got enough faith to say, okay, God done showed me the first step. I'm going to take it without seeing the next 10 steps. Amen. And so that don't mean that that person is better in God's sight. That means that person got a gift to have greater faith than you have, God. And you shouldn't be jealous of a person who is willing to operate in that level of faith. And I see it almost like there are some people in the natural are willing to take greater risks to achieve something than other people are. That's right. Sometimes they do okay. Sometimes they really prosper. That's right. Because they had the faith to do something that nobody else would do. And so he says, now some people have great faith. And someone else, the one spirit, gives the gift of healing. Now we could all pray for healing, but to have the gift of healing it's almost like in, when the disciples went out and they could lay hands on people and they had a gift. I believe that some people are gifted, you know, in this part of ministry, I always used to catch a catch flat because uh, during the day, Benny Hinn was kind of known as the guy whose ministry was centered around healing. Right. All his ministry, if you ever used to watch his crusades, the part of television, people would come on the stage, he'd lay hands on them, and, 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 and they believe they're healed for whatever it is. Now, he is not the healer. God is the healer. So a person who operates in that gift has nothing to lose by praying over you, Major, and laying hands on you. Because he's trusting that it's God that's going to do the healing. But if I go in thinking that I got to do the healing, then I'm not going to operate in that gift because I don't want Major to come back and say, man, my cold done got worse. That's right. You done prayed over me. My cold and got worse. I got full-fledged pneumonia now after you done prayed for me. <laughs> well, when I'm praying for Major, I'm saying, hey, it's God's job to heal you. It's my God's job to believe I got the faith to agree with God if I believe he's given me that gift. Amen. I don't operate in the gift of healing. That's why I don't have people coming up here striving for me and I'm laying hands on the head and telling them that, you know, you heal. But if somebody operating that gift and they feel like that, then they, they have a special gift that the Spirit gave them. But again, this is where I think that that's why we have certain ministries now that have broken off and say, I, I operate in the prophetic. I think over in Panama City, or court Panama City, there used to be a ministry over there that was a ministry of prophecy. And so therefore, they used to, they would bring people in and teach them the prophetic ministry. The things that the Bible say that you have to do to train you to know how to be a, a prophetic minister, okay? And I'm pretty sure that ministry that are operating purely just healing ministries. And, and some ministries even call themselves just deliverance ministries. And so what I'm trying to say here is that I think because the church has kind of worked this passage in this chapter in different ways, these gifts are being used differently but if the Bible is true, we got to believe that the Holy Spirit got something to do with it. Amen. If this is a gift from God. 
So I may not always understand it. I may not agree with my Pentecostal brothers, or I may not agree with my apostolic brothers on everything, but if they're operating in the spirit and God has gifted them in that, then I should not be envious or jealous of their gifting. Amen. And so sometimes, just like with the Corinthian church here, these gifts cause problems in the body of Christ. Now, so he said the gift of healing. Now look at verse 10. He says, he gives one person the power to perform miracles. Well, we know the apostles performed miracles when we read the book of Acts, the things they did. People are, are, are praying and believing God today for a miracle. Some people have been given that gift. But some people, you know, you res- some people, sometimes we don't realize that there are people who are receiving miracles every, every day. That's right. Every day. It's just that it's not glamorized and publicized, but if you just read, you can say, man, that was a miraculous act right there. That had to be God. I was looking at, I don't want to put you know, stuff in the street, but, uh, but I think everybody know. I looked at the wreck that, uh, you know, uh, Big Sam, fiance was in. And I looked at the car that they got her out of, and say for her to still be living today, that had to be a miraculous act. Mm. I mean, if you just saw, you, that, that you just figured, there was no way that she ought to be living wow. today. Wow. And so I'm, what I'm trying, and I look at that and say, hey, there has to be a God out there looking out for some people sometimes. And so what we got to understand, when it comes to things that God do in the, in the supernatural realm, we may not always understand it, but because we don't understand it don't mean God ain't doing it. That's right. And sometimes the reason we don't understand things is because if no one has ever presented it to you, you don't have faith for it anyway. That's right. So until someone presented to me another way of the spirit operating in the church, if I had stayed in the church that I grew up in, I never would have been exposed to that aspect of the Holy Spirit moving we never talked about it. So I didn't have faith for it. Amen. And so that's why for me, and I just give my, because tongues was the big one, because I was going to the Church of God in Christ, and when they said you had to be saved to get it, I wanted them, because I was going, I liked the people I was going to church with. You know, they, they was high energy. Baptist Church I was in, we went high energy. They was high energy. I liked the high energy. And I never been, I went to a conference down in Birch's Garden in Germany, you know, with them, and they, they got us all a damn line, like you said, Major. Okay, it's time to get the Lord moving. <laughs> if you want the gift of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of time, you need to get up here. And I, you know, I'm Baptist guy. Okay, I'm looking. I ain't up there. To, I'm saying, what they finna do to me? Everybody getting in line. Man coming down. And you, they tell you to stand up there and hold your head back. And then they come and put your head on. Everybody dropping. Bam. I don't see them. Bam. He get to me. I said, no, nah, I see that. So I'm, I'm going to ease my foot back like this. And when he tapped me, I ain't go nowhere. Let it come out your belly. Tap me again, I ain't go nowhere. He said, next. He just went on to the next dude. So, so because I understood, in my, I was still thinking natural. I wasn't spiritual. I understand how equilibrium can be off. If you hold your head back long enough like this, and someone come and tap you, you're going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. So I figure, okay, that may not be spiritual right there. That may be someone that yeah. understands how certain things work. 
But after that experience, I came back, and we were in church that Sunday, and the lady was singing Tremaine Hawkins' song, uh, Change. The wonderful yeah, change yeah. that came over me, I remember like it was in 1988. And I'm sitting on the third row, and I ain't the guy who played church and get up and shout, run around, because I, you know, I used to see that too, that wasn't me, I wasn't that guy. I, I used to time the service by who started running. Because every Sunday the same folk used to run. So I thought that was how the spirit just hit that person every Sunday at the same time. Okay, look over the corner. She finna go off over there. But that Sunday, some came over me that Sunday, man, after that experience. And man, I started shouting in church and crying and running around. And I ain't never, and I ain't did it since. But that Sunday, that let me know right then that God is real. Because I've always been that guy to say, well, I ain't emotional when I go to church. I just don't feel nothing like that. That Sunday. And every time I hear that song to this day, it brings chills all over my body because I can remember it like it was yesterday. Now, maybe that was a residual effect of me standing in line <laughs> and not getting it. Maybe the spirit just showed up late and I got it the next day. But, but after that, then now, I went into the mindset with speaking in tongues. Is okay, God. I'm going to trust you, and I didn't get nobody's line. I was just sitting in my bathroom one night and said, oh, God, I'm going to open my mouth, and I'm going to say something, and it ain't going to be English. Yeah. And it was just that simple for me. And I just started saying whatever the Lord gave me to say. Wow. So, Pastor, was it because you had a desire? Good question. And that was. I do believe. Because I had done been to the Tarian before, and it didn't work. Went down there, didn't work. But now, after that, I wanted it. I had that desire. And so, therefore, I stopped. I put aside all I had been told about it. Because we was taught the tongue for the devil. That's kind of what they told early on in the church. I was going, hey, tongue for the devil. You don't need that today. Now, Paul's going to come back later in chapter because we got to hold on to this. Because later he's going to tell them that, hey, y'all don't put so much emphasis on that that it don't benefit nobody but you. So if you can't interpret what you're saying, then you need to just do it in a way that you praise and are praying when it's only you and God doing things. But if you want everybody else to be blessed by it, you got to tell them what you're talking about. Or somebody got to get up and interpret. That's coming. Don't get that today. It's coming. <laughs> that's coming. That, that's kind of like the preview so you'll come back when we get to the chapter 14. Okay. Hey, Pastor, Go ahead. Go you know, the problem, even in their time, not the gift, but it's the people who manipulate because of the gift. And that puts a false pretense on people to not trust it. Amen. And it's like you say, okay, I was telling Lathan, it's like there's, it's Christmas, and the whole platform behind pastor is full with gifts. Pastor didn't put them up there, the Holy Spirit put them up there. But it, the gifts ain't for everybody. Yours got your name on it. So you can't get anybody else's. It's not for you. So God has specifically for us. But because he gives us something, doesn't mean that we should be flaunting of ourselves, thinking that we're all of that in a bag of chips and high-minded, because that's where stuff gets to a point where we don't give glory and honor to God. It's me. Amen. Amen. So, so look at this. He says, after he talked about miracles, he said another prophet, and he gives some someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. 
Still another, he gives the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, some of your Bible say, while another still have the ability to interpret what is being said. And some people use that as a discriminator when they go to a church or someone is just blurting out in the service at a, at a time that they don't understand, there's someone going to interpret it and not knowing that, okay, if this person is praying, because later on he say, you can pray in the spirit and you can pray in understanding. So it leads me to believe that there's sometimes we can pray that we don't have to understand what we're praying. And, and so because we see things in different ways and we've been exposed to different things. I was even looking at, you know, how, how you, because a lot of the ministry that we are part of today, everything sprang out of Catholicism. The Catholic Church was supposed to be the universal church. So they have gone through and picked out certain gifts, and I was reading some of their teachings on gifts. They only look at seven of these things, the gifts that they practice in that church. Now I'm gonna come out here because I ain't trying to convert you to be no Catholic but you can just go online and give it. Because based upon how the first century church that Peter founded that came out of the Catholic Church, they did that. Now, everybody else came out of, for the most part, the Catholic Church. Because Catholicism, a Catholic means universal. That's why they're all over the world. They're everywhere. Okay? But there were certain doctrines that they taught that Martin Luther and the guys protested against and broke away from them. And that's how we got Protestant churches. That word Protestant means protester. And then from Protestants, we got all these other denominations. Everybody, we got Lutheran, we got Methodist, we got Baptist, right. you name it, Church of God in Christ, all got a, got a scripture that they based their denomination on. And so a lot of time when you want to learn the origin of something to happen in the church, go back and look at what the Catholic Church used to do. When I was coming up, uh, we used to have what they call the mourner's bench. You know, where the, the ladies that go over in the corner and kind of mourn. Well, that, that's a practice that came out of the Catholic Church. But I don't see too much of that today. Now, you may go to some old church where they do it, but in the churches that, our, that we go to and you see on television, don't nobody do any of that anymore a lot of times. Now, you may see some, but I haven't seen that in years. And so when we look at this and we understand that the spirit is still moving, but the thing that makes it difficult sometimes is because man don't all do the same thing the same way. And so sometimes to answer that, they say, well, okay, Paul wrote that specifically to the Corinthians. If he had wanted that to be a universal doctrine, he should have wrote it to the Galatians, he should have wrote it to this one, he should have wrote that one. So those things apply to the Corinthian church. Well, I don't ascribe to that belief, but I do believe you have to take that in when you discern and dissect these scriptures and try to apply them to where we are today, who he was writing it to and why he was writing it and what was going on in the church at that time. So now look, it is once and only one, it, it is the only and the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. So Paul said the Holy Spirit is the distributor. Right. And if we don't have it, it's because he didn't give it. He alone decides which gift each person should. So if you are lacking something, you ought to take it up with him. Amen. 
Because that's what the Bible says. So Pastor Bowden can't distribute something to you, major, teach you. No, if you desire that, you need to take it up with him. But if you desire something because someone else got it, that may be the wrong motivation for it. So, Miranda, go ahead before we make a quick transition. He was talking about faith and about the things that people believe in. But I believe that in other countries, you see a lot of stuff goes on where there are miracles that really happens. But it happened because they believe that the mind is wide open. You see, I feel like here in America, period, people only believe God can cure a cold, a fever, a foot that might be hurting. These people believe that God can raise the dead. Them, them have a very wide open mind as to all what God can do, and they believe. And that's why it happens. We don't even have people that worship God in the way it should be. We don't, make, we don't have no, what do you call it? You know what, when they make a big, like every night them go and them pray and sing, and I can't remember the name of it, but yes. They don't even have revival here. In other small countries all over the world, they got a lot of revivals. People out there praying and singing and the sick coming to be healed. Here, we don't, we're not doing anything. Amen. So and, we and can't I, and expect you, anything. And I think you got a good point, I think, because, you know, uh, in some part, in, in America for the most part, because we have... The gospel and the gospel message has been mixed with so much other things that, that we don't have the, we sometimes don't consider ourselves in a position where we need all of those miracles. You understand what I'm saying? In those countries, those people come together with that mindset, believe for a miracle. A lot of times when something happened to us, we go into the doctor first. Because we make reason in our mind, we're going to pray, but we're going to the doctor. And, and, and in our mind, maybe we see medicine as part of that miracle process. Now, I'm not saying right or wrong, but if wisdom comes from above and if God gave it to him, I don't want to knock medicine and think that we don't need medicine. Because Luke was a physician. So, so God is not doctors, but at the same time, I do believe that we ought to be operating on a greater level of faith to believe that God can do something. Now, I'm not all the way to the corner where there are some people that take what happened to Paul in the Bible when he put his hand in the fire and got bit by the snake and believed that I ought to have the faith to go and handle snakes. Now, there are some people who've done that and then got bit and lived. And there are some that got bit and died. And the guy who died, they say his faith wasn't strong enough. And the guy who lived, say he had stronger faith. Why? God ain't telling me to do that. He ain't called me to be no snake handler. And I don't believe Paul was tempting and testing God when he put his hand in the fire. I think he was trying to get warm, and the snake just jumped out of it and bit him. And God performed the miracle. So we don't tempt God in certain things, but we also 
don't deny the fact that we still believe that God is a miracle worker. And so I tell people you got to believe in miracles before you need one. Don't wait till something come up and all of a sudden now you need a miracle. You need to believe in them right now. Anybody got a comment before? Finley, go ahead. Anybody want to comment? Yeah, Pastor, I have a comment about before we make our turn. um, When it comes to this topic of gifts we're talking about, as I kept as I kept reading down the, this chapter and whatnot, you know, goes in, you know, talks about different gifts, you know, a, a person can have, and then it kind of leaves you off with kind of vague saying, uh, you know, uh, it, it is it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. So my question is, um, is this the, are these the only gifts that a person can have? Was listed here, or is it more? Uh, he just or is just more like the message behind it. Yeah, this is the message behind this because when you go to Romans chapter 12, 13, 3 through 8, you'll find the gift of prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. And then the other place where later on you're going to talk about teaching and then you're going to tie some offices to all this together. So when you read this, don't look at this as an exhaustive list of all the gifts that the Bible talks about. So, and, and so taking that in consideration then that lets us know that if Paul was writing this to be all-inclusive, he should have included what he wrote to the Romans, but I believe he was writing to the Romans based upon the situation in Rome at that time. Just like the situation that was going on here in Corinth at that time. But we now, having both of these books, got to take that and discern it and see how it is playing out in our lives today. Sister Virginia? All right, let me just first say, just because you don't see it it happening here does not mean that it is not happening because revival is taking place all over, including in America. We're just not seeing it or doing it or or not being obedient to start it right here in this place. And God is doing, performing miracles every day. My daughter is a miracle. I was at the hospital and they say, come back later. Um, once, um, you, she's aborted. They say that I was going to lose her. And they say, once she's gone, then you come on back here and we'll do what we need to do. So the doctors have written her off as, once you miscarry her, that's the word they say, you're going to miscarry her. You're going to miscarry this baby. And once you miscarry, then come on back and we'll take care of you. And walked out the, doc, out the clinic. That very night, I went to church. And me and my bishop, we pray, we touch and agree. My daughter is 16 years old right now. That's a miracle. Amen. Because according to man, she should have been dead. She wasn't even supposed to be born. So I count that as a miracle. And I think we miss out on God's miracles and the gift of, of, of operating in miracles because we don't acknowledge the handiwork of God. Amen. Amen. Good point. You got a mic? You got a mic? Is it on? Okay, you good. The reason why I said what I said, because when I came here and testified what God have done for my oldest son, everybody turned around right in here and looked at me like I had nine head. Because I said that the Lord grew back my, my son's legs. It literally grew back. I remember I called my mother. I was praying for him. When he called my mother and said, Grandma, you're not going to believe this, but my leg grew back. I was praying. 
Okay? Amen. So when I say that, everybody turn around and look at me like I just lost my mind. I so that's the reason why I make the comment that I make. Because if you feel that like God can do all things, why look at me like I'm crazy? Amen. 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 Okay. Let me just read on. Let me read on. Now, now, you know, he goes on and says that he started to make a transition to try to make this even plainer by doing a contrast and, and, and bringing in the fact that, you know, he, he used the body to emphasize the importance of how uh, gifts are to the church, but at the same time, how important it is for everybody to work together in unity as they operate in whatever gifting the Lord has given them. He says, now look, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So he make a comparison there and said, if you think about your, your body major, then if you think about your body and see it as the church, then in your body are many different organs, many different parts that do different things and function in different ways, but they all work together to make your body one. They all have an importance, and sometimes we may look at our little pinky and don't think it's as, as important as our leg, but the pinky serve a purpose, you know? And, and so the point is, is that every gift don't function the same way, but every gift work together to make the church function better. And so even though we can live in the natural, we can live without certain parts of our body. There are people who have had their legs amputated. They're still living, but they don't function as if they had two legs. Don't function as well. And so therefore, he's saying that as a body, when we look at the church, the church ought to have different gifts in it so that it can function better as one body that Christ wants. Now, sometimes people will take that to also mean that, okay, it means that's why we got all these churches all over the world, but when we think about a, a universal doctrine, Jesus, the Son of God, that make us one body because we all believe that Christ was the Son of God. He was, you know, nailed to the cross, died, raised for our sins, da 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 So now we're part of the universal body of Christ. But I do believe in a local body, a local body should have more than one gift in it. Okay, so now look at it. He says, now look. He go back and talk to how the church was made up there. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all, sh and we all share the same spirit. So the Holy Spirit operating in all of us make us one regardless of what our status is, our economic situation is, whether we were rich, poor, slave, free, whether you are black, white, or it, whatever, it don't matter. Because the Holy Spirit baptizes us all into one body, and that's the body of Jesus Christ. So that's why the church it should be looked at as a universal body, in addition to a lot of local congregation that function as a body. So does that mean that every church got every gift? Like I said, I have never been to a church that I see every gift that's lifted in here operating in that church. But they may be, but it's not like, like anything else. Some gifts are not noticeable. There are certain gifts that 
stands up front and are seen all the time, but there are many things that operate in the church that people don't even see, but it's happening behind the scene. And some of those things are just as important as the thing that you can see and say, oh, I recognize the gift of teaching in this ministry. I recognize the, the preaching here. I re recognize these other things. I recognize certain things that's visible. But do you recognize the things, the parts of the body that is not seen? And those things that are not seen is just as important as the things that are, that are seen. He said, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot say, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, does that make it less a part of the body? And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? These are all rhetorical questions answers, no. If the whole body was an eye, how would it hear? If the whole body was an ear, how would it smell? But our bodies has many parts, and God has put each part just where he was. God put the parts in place. So with that being said, then if, there, if something is missing here, it is because God didn't put it here, or whoever got it ain't operating Because if he says here, and someone's sitting on it, then that means they're being disobedient to, to the gift that God has given them. So now look, he says, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. Then in verse 20 says, that I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Therefore, whatever God puts in the body, he know we need it. And we can't say we don't need it if God put it here. Because it is necessary. So now, we have to search our soul based upon how we have been, how the Spirit has moved in our heart and in our lives to say, okay, now I know God has given me this gift. And so if God is given, if, if, I, if God is, like teaching, and later on talk, in other part, teachers are assigned to the church, so gifted to be a teacher. I didn't know that that's what my gift was when I was was training to be a teacher in the military. I was just doing the job. That was long before I knew I was going to be a pastor of a church. But I look at that as God prepared me then to do what I'm doing now. And based upon God's spirit allowing me to do that, I believe he gave me gifting to learn and teach certain things that I don't need to go to school to do. I'm not a seminary guy. I'm a guy that the God called, and I took the skills that he gave me in the natural. The Air Force taught me how to be an instructor. And once I learned that, 
when God called me, I took the same thing that they taught me and used it for God's glory. And so therefore, I'm not boasting or bragging on both. I'm boasting on the Spirit of God empowering you to do something. I believe I'll stand toe-to-toe to anybody when it comes to God's Word. Because I'm going to do the things that's required to be a good teacher. I'm not trying to go out there and be the prophet, to prophesy on people, that ain't my gifting. But when it comes to teaching, now, I can teach a message that could be prophetic in nature because some teaching involves that, but I'm not one to say, Major, this is what's going to happen to you in 2025. That ain't my calling. But some people are gifted to do that, and I got no problem because one thing about prophecy, either they're telling the truth or they're lying. All you got to do is wait them out. It got to bear fruit. And so sometimes people are told certain things that they, oh God, don't let me read it. People are taught to be able to read your demeanor. And they can see certain things in your demeanor to give them an idea of what's going on in you. And based upon that training, they can speak to whatever that is and prophesy something in your life. Now, whether or not it's true or not, it's going to come true. You got to see that it bear fruit. Because if they told you something that is supposed to happen and they're foretelling something, then at some future date, whatever they told you is supposed to bear fruit. If it don't bear fruit, then the prophet lied. Amen. And so you got to know what God has called you to do, and you got to know your gift, and you got to be confident in it so that when God gives you the opportunity to share or use what he's done for giving you in the body, you're not timid and bashful. But you got to be confident, and you got to study. You got to do the work. You know, every, I, I hear people say all the time, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to depend on the Spirit to just give you. Yeah, the Spirit can drop it in you, but you got to study sometime too. Don't just put it on the spirit. He got to do everything. You got to do some work. Jesus was a teacher. He taught his disciples. And they were to teach others. And so, know your gift. Know what God has called you to do. He says, now, what did I stop at? What verse? I got carried away. Which one? 22. Okay, okay. Well, let me read 21. He said, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts, verse 22, of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Good God Almighty. There's something, you know right now, the people that you don't see in striving to what we're doing for the Lord sometimes are more important than the people that you see. There are people that are working behind the scenes doing things that you never see them do but they are vital to this ministry. Now we do that. And that's always, so it's like something he said, some parts of your body is covered up and not seen, but just because it's not seen don't mean it's not important. And so you, sometimes we focus on what we can see instead of saying, man, there's some important parts that's missing that I can't even see. Some of your most 
vital organs you don't even see. But when they have a problem, your whole body know. Your whole body know. And so that's how it is in the church. There are some people that are vital to ministry, but they're not out in front. But they are very necessary. He says, look at this. In verse 23, he says, And the parts we regard as honorable are those we clothe with greatest care, because we place a value on them sometimes prematurely. So we carefully protect those parts that we that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that the extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. So there are some parts that we have in this body that appears to the natural to be in a less dignified position, but God done put them in a place that they are just as important as me. Just as You know, in the natural, right now, based on what we do, man, nobody think much of the people who upstairs in that sound booth. But it don't make no difference how good we sound in the choir or how good the preacher preach, if they jack up the sound online, ain't nobody going to feel that anointing, and they're going to the next channel. Now, in here, we may be having a good time, but Major at home said, I can't hear. So let me go on over here somewhere else and find something I can hear. That part is important. Now, you be tired. I wouldn't even think about no streaming now. But that little part that nobody sees has become very important to what we do. And so it's a lot of behind the scenes and little things that go on in the church. The people that put their hand to the plow to make some of the necessary things happen in the ministry never stand up here on Sunday. But without them, we couldn't do half of the things that we do as a ministry because the ministry is bigger than just the preaching aspect of the ministry. The body needs all aspects of ministry. That your, your ushers and, and the greeters and stuff is important. Because if the wrong person is out there and they're not gifted, them people ain't going to listen to me. I mean, I can have my best message prepared, but if the greet at the door, then turn them people off before they hit me. Everything now is judgmental. I'm coming out, yeah, uh-huh, I don't like the way the lights look in here. I don't like this, all because that greeter at the door. And so... That's some part that we say, the gatekeeper, but the gatekeeper is important. And how people are greeted will be determined how they receive everything else that happened in the service. Little thing. Some people walk down the hall on Sunday and can see a piece of paper and won't pick it up. And it's their house. But a guest come in and walk down the hall and say, man, these people don't care nothing about their church. That may turn them off, all because somebody saw that and then see how important that was to the, to the body. So it's little things that we got to see 
that God is expecting us all to come together so that we can do the things that's necessary to function like he wants us to function. He says, now look, when we operate in this level of dignity, look what he said, the less one have less dignity. Look at verse 29. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each man. All the members are supposed to care for each other. So that I know that when Finley is not here and I don't see him for a month, then something inside of me ought to say, hey, Something's up. Something up. Now, I ain't got no problem if Finland got tired of the message. He said he's going to go to, you know, Reverend Raphael Church over there on A Street or whatever street. I ain't got no problem with that because people change churches all the time. But if something's going on in his life and I don't, and I don't, you know, and I tell people this the other day, normally after doing this for so long and you come regular, I know where you sit. In my mind, I know where most of y'all sit. And so when your sit, seat go empty, for a month, it started talking to me. Empty seat. The Bible, that was that, that what King Saul said. When David was missing from the table, his seat started. Where's Finley? I ain't saying, where's Jonel? That seat. Talking. Because I observe what people said. Now, so to me, now as a, as a person, I say, okay, we need to find out. Somebody need to call these folks because I haven't seen them in a while. And so that care should be from all the members. You ought to have a circle of people in this church that you know and you communicate with that when you don't see them, you ought to think about, hey, that's a member of the body that I need because pastor may miss them. But you know them better, and when something's going on in that person's life, how can you be a member of the body and know your thumb is hurting, and you don't even call and check on the thumb? Because we got to care for each. Then he goes on to say, look, if one part suffer, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. And sometimes... When the hand gets celebrated, the feet get mad. Don't want to dance. The hand done got celebrated, so now it's time for us to shout. Feeling done got a promotion. We folks all shout. Because we glad. But somebody said, man, he ain't been in the system less than 10 years. No, it's time to celebrate. But sometimes we allow our flesh to get in the way to hinder the move of the Spirit in those areas. Now, as long as we're talking about tongues, everybody there. But that's part of what the Spirit is supposed to help us to do, to care for one another. He says, if one part suffer, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. Look at this. He says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Then verse 28. Here are some of the, now he lists some other parts. Now to kind of look like the offices and things of that nature. Now look at this. He said, here are some of the parts God has appointed to the church. First, they are apostles. Second, they are prophets. Third, they are teachers. But again, this list is not exhaustive. So other places you'll find pastors, you know, evangelists, things of that nature. So don't look at this as a complete list. 
But again, I told you, some people don't think apostles are needed today because they think that if you didn't walk with Jesus or after the first century, you no longer needed apostles. Some are prophets. There are some churches that don't believe prophets are necessary today. Again, for the same reason, we got the Bible now. All, of, we got it, all we got to do now is understand that we don't need prophet to prophesy and give us another book. Okay? But if the gifts is in the Bible, I believe that somebody's still operating in it. Okay? Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles and those who have the gifts of healing. Some of the things he repeated from the earlier list. And those who can help others. Some people got a special gift, man, that they can just help folk. God done blessed them just be able to help people. That's a gift. And some of our members are like that. They got, they got the ability and the means to help people. And if they see that as a gift, that means that when there's a need somewhere, then they want to go in and help people. Get that level of compassion. Those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown tongues, they're saying the tongues come back again. And again, reading here in Corinthians and then trying to overlay this to Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell and everybody spoke in tongues, but in that instant they were from all over the world, everybody heard them speak in their own tongue. Here he's talking about when people are speaking and, and people don't understand what they're saying. And later he's talking about too that then at certain times that, that someone needs to be able to discern what is said so that everybody can understand. After he gets through with the love chapter next week, in chapter 14, he comes straight out and comes back to this point again and say, hey, if you got the gift of that versus prophecy, it's better for you to prophesy. If you ain't going to explain what you're saying, prophesy so that everybody will know and benefit from what you're saying. But for me to speak a prophetic tongue to you and you don't understand it, you don't know how to receive the warning. So that's why later he would tell them if someone jump up in church and start speaking, then somebody better get up and interpret it. Or that person is out of order. If it's a message that folks tell us that, you know, God is going to do something, and we all sit here and say, well, we didn't get it. Then God would rather major get up and just tell us straight up, hey, thus says the Lord. If y'all don't do this by this time, this is what he's going to do. We can act on that. And now, so he says now, in verse 29, he says, are all apostles, again, these rhetorical questions, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have the power to do miracles? No. Do we all have the gift of healing? No. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown tongues? So the answer in his mind here is no. Do we have the ability to interpret unknown tongues? All? No. Then he come back and answer forth. Of course not. Now here in striving, I realize because of where our members come from in their background, the ministries that they came out, all that, we are kind of a, a church that is, I would call, middle-of-the-road Pentecostal. We're not all the way Pentecostal where every Sunday you're going to be encouraged or exhorted to speak in tongues and going to be urged to go and speak in tongues. Because I realize that some of our members got a block right there. So I don't want to make them feel 
bad, but we do talk about it, we teach it, and if they want that gift and they want to know about it and we believe that they can receive it, then all they got to do is have the faith for it. But at the same time, I don't want to say striving is a full-fledged apostolic Pentecostal church. Because we're not. Because that ain't pastor's lane. Amen. And so somewhere, it depends on every ministry have to function how God has called them to function in the place that they are at. That don't make one ministry wrong or another one right. It's just that that's how God got them functioning at this time. And so that's where the church, I think, we get in trouble with the world because we start fighting each other over little things like that, and the world say, hey, I don't even want to be a part of that. Because they're arguing over things that has nothing to do with saving somebody's soul. He says, now look, so this way to tell you, Major, Finley, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gift. Whatever you feel like is most helpful for the body, desire it. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. So that's a lead-in to next week. He said, desire whatever gift you want, but then I'm going to tell you, whatever gift you got that ain't mixed with love, you might well not have it. Whether you speak in tongues with the best of them or you prophesy with the best of them, you ain't doing nothing but making noise. If you ain't got love mixed in with it. So that's next week. Now y'all can go back. There was a long chapter, a lot of things there, a lot of doctrinal thing there, and I tried to kind of keep it in the middle so that we don't have to get bogged down in things that I know churches are despised over. Because I don't want to major on issues that has nothing to do with people's salvation has to do with how we are taught and how we operate in a certain, in, in a certain arena. Oh, I'm, yeah, BBS next week, then week after next. Yeah, we won't have Bible study next week. I'm sorry, misspeaking. I'm glad for that interpretation. <laughs> and I was speaking in English. <laughs> I'm just joking, just joking. Any question, any question, any question, any question. Again, these chapters in Corinthians are probably some of the, the most highly debated chapters in the Bible. I mean, and, and so when you understand that, it gives you appreciation to try to go in and feel, feel out where you are in this chapter. Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Where's your spirit? So that you can at least defend what part of this you believe in and realize that there may be some people that don't see it the same way that you see it. And it may not be a heaven or hell issue whether they're right or wrong, it's just their level of understanding and how they read it and how they understand it. Okay? All right, a couple of announcements before we leave today.